Hello and welcome to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 65, where in a moment we discuss reviewing your mortgage. That's today's show topic and it's on the way, like I say, but... Please bear in mind, if you have a general financial query, you're in the right place because we have an enormous resource of free advice right here. And you can access it all simply through delving into our back catalogue of shows. Because in our programmes to date, we've covered mortgages, pensions, credit unions, help to buy schemes, premium bonds, life insurance, and loads more. You name it, we've done it pretty much. And last week, we were joined by guest expert Tony Lister of Remax Inverness as he explained 13 ways to market your property and achieve a quick sale. Remember, we can drill down and focus on pretty much anything forensically. Find the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts and you'll get us there. Like I say, an enormous resource, all available for free. Find our previous shows after listening to this one and have a binge on what you need. While you're there, if you could rate and review us, for instance, you could tell us what we need to address to help you out and follow the show. And then that way you'll get that episode when we record it next time. I'm Joe Ellis. With me as always, the star of our show, Phil Anderson. Hi, Phil. Hi, John. How are you today? Good, thank you. Okay, so back to our original double act this week. Uh, and we're looking at reviewing your mortgage. Now, I suppose this can happen mostly anytime, except maybe for the, the early period when you've just signed up with a provider. And even then, you probably can do it. It's just you'll be facing penalties. So I suppose maybe the first time you do it is when you approach the end of any sort of initial fixed rate promotion with a lender. Yeah, that, that would be the most common time for, for people to review a mortgage. Usually when their deals come into, to an end, maybe the, the initial period. So that, that might have been like, say, a two-year fixed rate or a, a tracker rate. In the past, you used to get capped rates. There, there was a lot of different types of mortgages. But most now, I, I would say fixed rates are definitely the most popular these days. So when, when somebody's come at the end of just their initial deal, that's always a, a really good time to review it. But as well, well when we go through the, the show today, there is other occasions where it might be worth people just reviewing things as well. So we'll touch on that as we, we go through things. Okay. Um, before we get on to the more traditional options when you review your mortgage, let's just say for whatever reason, I decide to try and move my mortgage during that initial mortgage deal period. There are pretty hefty penalties, aren't there, which are best avoided. What sort of fees are we looking at there? There can be. You, you do get some mortgage deals where there's no early repayment charges at all. So, so there are some deals like that, but not an awful lot, to be honest. Mm. Usually if, if a lender gives you, like, let's just say, a two-year fixed rate or a five-year fixed rate, they, there would be what's called an early repayment charge, usually, if you come out of it early. So it's always important to take that into account. It's always important to, to find that out when you're reviewing the mortgage, when that early repayment charges end. As a general rule of thumb, you normally tend to find that if you've got a two-year fixed rate, you'll be tied in for two years, early repayment charges for that period. Likewise, if it was a five-year fixed rate, you normally got it for, for five years. The amount that they charge varies. Typically, some lenders will charge maybe, say, 3% of the, the amount repaid or 5%. Some lenders will do it. Let's say a two-year fixed rate, you'll maybe pay a penalty of two percent the first year. You if you come out of it early, one percent the the second year. But that that's something that's important to take into account. Is there any penalties if you are paying the the whole thing off? But in some cases, as we'll go through again today, 
it's worth looking at deals from existing lenders, other lenders. There's a lot to, to take into account when you're reviewing your mortgage. Okay, get on to that in just one sec. Just in order, just sticking with this risk just for a second, Phil, yeah. in order to get you to, to risk making a move, presumably the lender or provider that you're moving to must be offering some kind of incentive other than, you know, just a better rate. They'd have to maybe chip in and suck up those fees that you're talking about so they don't impact you, would they? Hey, you'll find that the, the lenders don't really cover early repayment charges. Or oh, do they not? Some some will offer incentives. So, so for example, if, if you do what's called a remortgage, there'd usually be legal costs and survey costs involved with that. So some, some lenders will cover that type of cost. But again, I'm not aware of any that will actually cover any of the, the early repayment charges on a, a mortgage. So if you are tied into your current deal, in a lot of occasions, it would likely be best sticking on, on yeah. that one. Okay, so let's go down the more traditional route then. I've reached or I'm about to reach the end of my initial mortgage deal that we've been talking about. And I'm wondering what might be out there now. The market's changed again in those you know, intervening few years. Yeah. What are, what are my options? So that's it. The market is always constantly evolving and, and changing. So a good time to review it when, when you come to the end of a, an initial deal. Years ago, the, the lenders would maybe give you, say, a two-year fixed rate, and then you might be tied in for three or four years afterwards. But that type of deal has really disappeared these days. So most people come at the end of their, their initial rate period aren't going to be, be tied in, and, and it's unlikely they'll have early repayment charges. So I, I guess the three main options you've got are to stick with your existing lender and just go on to what would be the, the sort of reversionary rate. You've got the option to remortgage. So that's moving your whole mortgage from one company to another. And then the third one, which is becoming a lot more popular these days, is what's called a, a product transfer or rate switch. And that's where you get another deal from your existing lender and keep the, the mortgage with them. So if, if I touch on the, the first one, which was just sticking on the, the sort of reversionary rate. Mm-hmm. But what happens usually if you do nothing is um, most lenders have got what's called their, their standard variable rate or an SVR. There's always plenty of acronyms in financial <laughs> services. That's a, another one, an SVR, so standard variable rate. The, the standard variable rates usually tend to be a lot higher than the rates that somebody's on maybe initially. So at, at the current time, standard variable rates will tend to range maybe about 4 to 5% is the, the interest rate on that. So if you're coming off a deal where you're on 1% or 2% and going on to that, it can be quite a big jump. So that, that's one option is to stick on kind of like the, the standard variable rate. One advantage of doing that is you then wouldn't have any penalties. So if you decided, right, I'm going to move maybe in a, a month or two, you might think, right, I'll, I'll stick with that lender just for a short time, absorb the, the higher payments. And then maybe when you move home, you can then choose any lender and you're not tied to, to, to your existing lender at, at that point. The, the main downside of, of sticking away with your existing lender is that um, the interest rates are in general more likely to be, be higher if you go into that standard variable rate or reversionary rate. So a few different pros and cons there for, for that one. Okay, next is uh, is going somewhere else, remortgaging to another lender. Again, if you could break down the plus and minus aspects of that, if you could, Phil. Yeah, I, I would say when you, your deal expires, it's good to review what your existing lender will offer, but also look to see, right, 
is it worth doing what's called a remortgage to another lender? And basically a remortgage, it's almost you're just refinancing. You're moving the mortgage from one lender to another. Now, if you do that, there would be legal work needs to, to get carried out because um, the, the title deeds would need change to reflect from whichever lender it was to, to whichever lender it's going to. There, there would also be like, well, as well as legal fees, the, the new lender is also going to want to get a survey carried out as well. Now, a lot of lenders do offer incentives where they'll cover the legal fees and the survey costs. So that, that's one good thing there is that the many lenders will cover that sort of expenses. What one disadvantage is that the, the time, I mean, it can take six to eight weeks for a, a remortgage to go through because there's this legal work. I mean, the, your new mortgage lender might produce a mortgage offer very quickly, but because there's this legal work that has to go on moving it from one bank to another, then that, that all takes a wee bit of time there. I, I guess another, well, could be almost like a, a disadvantage is that the, the lenders will do, they, they'll fully underwrite your application. So at that point, they'll need bank statements, pay slips. They might ask for a mortgage statement. They'll check your income and outgoings. Whereas if you stick with your existing lender on a product transfer, that's something that doesn't usually have the, the there's not the same requirement for that. So remortgaging, something that over the years has become very popular. It, it's good to shop around and, and see who's got the best deals. Well, one thing I would be wary of when, when you're remortgaging is checking any fees that the lenders charge. So it's always important to say, right, how much is this lender's fee? How much is this one? And, and what you'll tend to find, there'll be deals out there that have got quite big and large arrangement fees. And then there'll also be deals out there that have no arrangement fees or, or any booking fees or legal fees at all. So it's trying to weigh up the difference between that one. And you tend to find if, if you've got a big mortgage, it may be worth paying the fees because you're maybe saving a wee bit more per month on the payments, but it's just weighing all that sort of stuff up to, to see what's going to be best. Okay, a few things on, on remortgaging that, that crossed my mind, Phil. One of those is if you're going to a different lender and you said, you know, they underwrite everything fully, so they're going to look yeah. at bank statements. So if your situation has changed, and by that I mean your income, let's just say one of you earns less than you used to, and therefore you don't have the same income that you did on your joint income, and therefore the bank might not approve you for a mortgage. Is there the chance that the lender will turn you down? for you know for the exact same property yeah, that if, you're sitting in because you can't it, now afford it yeah well if, if that was the circumstances rather than remortgaging so if if a lender won't give you a remortgage at that point that's when you're going to be best going back to your existing lender to do right. what's called a, a product switch or or some sometimes it's called a product transfer a rate switch different people call it slightly different things but we'll be able to touch on that in, in just a few moments as well but that, that would definitely be the sort of example where it would be best sticking with, with the existing lender and try to get a new deal with with them okay uh something else that crossed my mind you were talking about it can sometimes take a while if you're remortgaging uh, through another lender because they have to get into legal people and that could be yeah. you know six to eight weeks what you tend to find in my experience because i've done this what you tend to find is that they will go and get a survey conducted perhaps by someone who is local to their main branch, which happens to be in, I don't know, Preston or, you know, even if it's the centre of Scotland. In other words, not in the marketplace where your home might be. 
And I have seen situations whereby, you know, we'll get someone up who would probably value our property at about 50K less than if I used someone who knows the area and who knows what the sort of prices in this area are going for. So th- there's there's variation with it within a theme, and it's something to bear in mind, I think, that can happen to you. Yeah, definitely. The, do you know, like, if, if you're remortgaging, the lender will insist on a, a survey. Now, they normally have, like, a panel of surveyors, and they'll, they'll often farm out to a national firm who might not cover all areas. They'll then get somebody else to, to look at it. But the, the value something, I mean, I would say good times to remortgage are or, or consider remortgaging is when your current deal's about to end. It could be that you're looking for a, a better rate. If your home's gone up in value quite a lot, that can actually be beneficial for you. We're seeing that quite a lot at the moment because house prices in the UK seem to be on the, the rise again. And where that's a benefit is, let, let's just say you've taken out a 90% mortgage initially. You, you might be paying a slightly higher rate because the bigger deposit you put down, the better interest rates you'll get. So let, let's say you've got a 90 or 95% mortgage initially. Each month, you're paying a bit of that capital off, so the balance will be, be coming down. Now, if your value goes up quite a bit, then what you might find is when, when you come to review your mortgage, you might be down to 80% or 75%. And if that's the case, that's going to open up a whole new world of opportunities for you as well. So there's going to be an awful lot more deals available for someone in that sort of situation, which, which is good. So that, that can be a, a good time to review a mortgage if your property value has, has gone up quite a bit. And, and again, what, what lenders will often do is a, a lot of them use what's called index-linked valuations. So they'll look at what you paid for the property initially, and then they might say, right, based on how long you've had it, what is the average house price going up or down in that time? And I've actually seen it work both ways. I've seen it in some cases. I mean, the, the market in Aberdeen, close to where we are, is very different from the market in other parts of the UK because it's so heavily related on the, the oil industry. So when the oil industry is doing well, house prices locally here tend to go up quite a lot. And I have seen it where the value of houses have gone up a lot here, and then lenders are using an indexed link value, which is lower, and we're like, no, but look, the real value of this house is this yeah. or that. But then I've also seen it work in the opposite way as well. So it is the property value is going to be a big factor in, in, in things when someone's reviewing a mortgage as well. And that that was kind of uh, what I was meaning when I was talking about, you know, surveyors from other areas. Yeah. Marking something 50K less than, than perhaps um, a local surveyor might, might put it on the market yeah. for. Because it's kind of like a, a, you know, in this part of the world anyway, where we are, as you say, Phil, it's a bit like a, you know, a golden triangle or a bubble that exists uh, almost in its own climate. The other thing I was going to say about remortgaging is quite often if people are sitting in, a, in an old property and the value, for instance, of their property has gone up, and they're they're looking to to do work to you know repair a roof or maybe add a, a room or something like that something they've always dreamed of. They can sometimes borrow against whilst they're remortgaging to to extend on the property or to, yeah that's to, it. To, I mean, yeah. it is, when someone's doing a remortgage, that's that's a good opportunity where they can review not just the mortgage but all their finances. We we tend to find when coming up the next next month in January, that's always a really busy month for people reviewing their finances, they, they make their New Year's resolutions and they say, right, I'm going to sort this out, I'm going to sort that out. Mm-hmm. But it is a, a remortgage can, can often be a good way of trying to borrow money maybe more cheaply than what you could 
at other times. So you, you have got the option where some lenders might allow you to, to borrow a bit more to repay credit cards or pay yeah. off expensive debts. Home improvements is the, the one that you mentioned there. I mean, that, that's sometimes a good opportunity to say, right, I want to build this extension or I want to improve my house. I think at the minute, because people are staying in their house or with, with the way things have gone in the last couple of years with COVID, people are probably on the whole at home a lot more than they, they used to be. So they are starting to think, right, I want to improve this. I want to improve that. I want to turn this room into an office and then maybe add on another extension or conservatory or yeah. maybe a, an outbuilding outside, maybe build like a an office type shed in the, the garden. So folk are looking to borrow more money for that types of things as well, I'm finding. And a remortgage is a great opportunity for that. It's a, a good way of I mean, it, it, the downside is you're taking a debt out over a, a longer period of time, but I mean, the interest rates on some of the remortgage deals at the moment are fantastic, so mm-hmm. it can be a lot better interest rate-wise doing it that way as well. Just wondering how a lender might view me wanting to build what I would call a safe room so that the kids can't find me when they're wanting to do their homework and they didn't help, they have to go to, to, to mum instead. Do you think, do you think they'd, they'd approve that one I know. <laughs> if, if I've got the equity in my mortgage? <laughs> <laughs> I need to get a room like that as well. <laughs> it's a bit like being a footballer, this, Phil, because, you know, um, if you're looking at it this way, you're reaching the end of your contract, so the other clubs can have a chat with you. They can flag up their terms, entice you over, but there's also the opportunity for your current club to offer you something as well. And, and that's where we are, I think, last of all, when you're talking about a rate switch with your current lender. So tell me about that. Yeah, I mean, product transfers and rate switches are becoming an awful lot more popular these days. I, I would say I'm probably seeing more people doing that than actually remortgaging. Again, all that is is really you're going to your existing lender to say, right, I've been with you for a while. What kind of deal can you offer me to stop me from moving my mortgage to, to somewhere else? And we are finding lenders are becoming an awful lot more a lot more competitive with this sort of offering. It used to be in the past that they would just put you onto the, the higher reversionary rate and they would take a chance that you might move it somewhere else. And if you didn't, then yeah, great. They're then making a lot more money off you. If you're sticking with your existing lender, I mean, the, the advantages of that is that there's no underwriting to get carried out again. So if you maybe have just gone from, say, employed to self-employed, then that's not going to to impact on, on that side of things. One downside is if you do look to borrow more money, you would maybe need to do some sort of further advance. So it's maybe not quite so good if in, in that situation. But then it's not to say the lender might not allow you to borrow more. So the product transfer deals are becoming an awful lot more competitive. Lenders in the past, they, they never used to, they almost just used to think, right, we'll hope you forget and don't go on a new deal but they, they'll generally, most of them now, will write out to you two or three months beforehand. Some, some are actually proactive and, and will phone their clients up, try to get them to go on a new deal. They, they really want to try and keep your, your business going forward. They're not all lenders, but most of them now are really quite competitive at that. Again, if, if your value has gone up, they'll use that index-linked valuation. So if house prices are rising, you might manage to get a like a lower loan to value deal. So that might be, be kind of advan- advantageous there as well. One thing I would say if you're doing a product transfer is just to watch out for any fees that the lender will charge because they, they may have some sort of arrangement or booking fee. 
you, you tend to find most lenders will have an option that's got a fee and one that has no fee. And, and really, they should be telling you, right, this is all the products we've got. This is what the payments would be. And then you can try and work it out from there to, to see what's going to be the, the best deal. But one good thing with, with sticking with your existing lender, it can usually go through quite quickly. You've no legal work to get carried out. If you've got mortgage arrears, that would tend to be the, the only time that lenders generally won't offer you an, a new deal, which is a shame, really, because if somebody's got arrears, they're probably the, the sort of people that need a new deal more than, than others. But um, they, that would be, pro in most cases, that's about the only time that a lender won't offer somebody a, a kind of rate switch or, or product transfer or product switch, whatever you would want to, to call it. Okay, a couple of things that crossed my mind about, about this uh, particular item that we're talking about here, Phil. When you're saying that more and more of these lenders are, are doing these rate switches or product switches, so the current lender, in other words, is, is, is looking to put you on a better deal, would they make their standard variable rate, which you revert to otherwise, would they make that artificially high so that um, the, the rate switch looks like a, a better deal when it comes along? Yeah, I mean, standard variable rates tend to be quite high you, you find that they, they as i said earlier probably in the region of maybe about four to five percent is the, the kind of rates at the minute whereas mortgage deals depending on your loan to value mortgage deals i mean neil in the office did a five-year fixed rate for somebody remortgage recently and the, the interest rate was under one percent mm. now i i think they were borrowing I think it was only about half the value of their property. So loan to value was really low, but there's still some cheap money out there. And but I, I wouldn't say scaremongering just now. I mean, they, they keep saying that interest rates are, are going to be rising to, to kind of curb inflation. So a lot of people are a bit nervous of that. And they're thinking, right, I want to go and look at a, a fixed rate mortgage deal just now. The, the standard variable rates are higher than, than the rates that you can usually go on to in most cases. Re realistically, though, Phil, let's just say you're on a, I don't know, a tracker mortgage. So those are the ones that that follow the, the sort of Bank of England's base rate, yeah, and, and then they stay within yeah. a certain element of it. So let's say the interest rates did go up. And this is just to sort of um, appease anybody that's nervous about it. If the base, if the the base rate did go up, and they're talking, I think about from 0.25 to 0.35, something something in the nature of that. Realistically, in your pocket every month, how much more are you paying out on on your, you know, is it like a ten or twenty quid a month in your yeah, mortgage? Yeah, it depends. It? it depends on the, the size of mortgage you've got. But let let's say you've got a two hundred thousand pounds mortgage, and your rate goes up by, let's say, quarter of a percent. Yeah. Over the course of a year, that would be five hundred pounds. Now, take divide that by twelve. Roughly, that's about forty quid, 40 a, quid month. a month. Yeah. So, so that was on a two hundred thousand pound mortgage. So if it's a hundred thousand pound mortgage, your interest you'd be paying about twenty quid a month more. Yeah. In, so, in that situation. So to cover that, you 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 have a fancy coffee every other day as opposed to every day <laughs> of the week, and you're just about you probably paid that off just to give people an idea of of what that would be. The other thing you mentioned there was beware of fees when you've got a possible rate switch. I think I've seen, certainly lenders that I've looked at, a grid of the mortgage products that they offer and what has fees and what doesn't and how long they, you'd be tied in and so on and so forth. That yeah. seems to be fairly easily accessible, isn't it? Yeah, most of the time, some lenders will send out a letter, some will direct you to a website. Usually when, when you look into it, there'll be a list and it'll say, right, we've got a two-year 
trap, two-year variable rate, two-year fixed rate. This one's got a fee. That one's not got a fee. Your monthly payments would be this or that. And I suppose then it's just a case of trying to work out what's going to be best for yourself. I mean, I, I'm always a great advocate of people speaking to, to mortgage brokers because mm-hmm. they can do a lot of that hard work for you. Well, one thing I would say is if, if you do go to a mortgage broker, some, some lenders will offer, they, they call it like direct deals. You, you do tend to find, though, see, see going back maybe about five years ago, so maybe back to about 2015, 2016, at that point, the direct deals were really, really good. I, I know I, I had a few clients, I used to say to them, look, HSBC's got this rate, brilliant go and sort that out with them and they'll they'll get they've got the best deal for you at the moment but you tended to find sometimes with certain lenders that maybe took ages to go through the, the service was not so good but I, i'm finding now that the rates have kind of equalized a lot and in, in fact in some cases brokers can get better deals than when somebody gets going direct the tides really kind of turned in in that respect and mm-hmm. probably the reason for that there, there was more like additional sort of regulations came out. So a lot of the banks did away with, with their direct sales force. I, I remember at one point in time, there was one lender, It was they, they were taking weeks for you to actually get an appointment with them. So it was, although they had great rates, it was a total waste of time because you couldn't get an appointment to, to speak to them. And even then it took so long that you would maybe miss out on, on the, the property you were after or the deal that you were looking for. Let me come on to the, the, the broker idea in just a second. There's just one yeah. other thing about the product switch or the, the rate switch that you're talking about. I assume then, so this is you coming to the end of your initial deal um, with your, your mortgage provider, and that sort of releases you from, from the, those initial early penalties. But I assume if you take a second deal from them, so this rate switch, this product yeah. switch, they're going to try and tie you in on terms again, aren't they? So there'll be another, another set of penalties. Yeah. So again, if you were to take out like a, a two-year tracker or two-year fixed rate deal, they would usually tend to tie in for that period. And likewise, if it was like a five-year fixed rate, normally you tend to be tied in for that five years as well. So I suppose for the lender's point of view, they then think, right, we've got them as a client for that period of time. In some countries, that there's no early repayment charges at all. But in the UK, most lenders will have like, especially on the fixed rates, you've normally got some sort of early repayment charge during that fixed rate period. There's one or two that, that do fully flexible fixed rate deals, but very few in, in that circumstances. But fixed rates have been really popular just now because folk are a bit worried that interest rates will creep up a, a bit. I'm finding the fixed rate deals, deals are really good. And, you know, some of the fixed rate deals are almost the same as the, the variable rate ones. So there, there's not a lot of difference mm. between them either. The thing that strikes me about all of this, Phil, is that it seems a little bit rudderless. Now, normally when I want to make a decision that's about something as big as a mortgage, say, I do it with an expert to help steer me in the right direction. And here I am speaking to my current lender, myself, other lenders, myself. I start getting a bit twitchy at that point because I think, well, I'm not qualified for this. Also, in my experience, financial advisors tend to have like a finger in the pulse. And you mentioned it yourself there, the ability to sort of thrash out deals or access deals that maybe aren't available over the counter for customers these days. So should I start this journey by being proactive and maybe go back, say, to an independent broker who got me over the line in the first instance? 
Yeah, I, I always think that speak to a whole market mortgage broker, that, that's always a, a really good idea because they can do a lot of the research from you. They, they're used to comparing all these products. So they're used to looking at the fees. They're used to looking at like all the, the other, like the pros and cons of, of kind of each one. I mean, to give you an example, at, at Phil Anderson Financial Services, if, if they're doing a remortgage there, the lads will charge £100 as a, a fee for a, a remortgage. If it's a, a product switch or product transfer application, they don't charge any fees for that. So they can actually help you get a better deal with the existing lender and not charge any fees at all. You, you'll get some brokers that will charge like higher broker fees. I mean, I've seen some in the past charge 495, 999, different sort of fees. Um, I've heard of some brokers doing, you, you pay them like what's called a lifetime fee, a one-off charge, and then they say that they'll review your mortgage forevermore for without any charge. I suppose the only downside of that is you're paying more up front. And also, if that firm went bust, then your money's gone at that point. But different brokers will charge in, in different ways. And you'll tend to find, I mean, like going back to, to Phil Anderson Financial Services, the reason they don't charge a fee on the product transfers is that the lenders will pay them some sort of commission for usually for, for setting up. The, the new deal. So going to a mortgage broker, they, they can sort out all the paperwork, really make all the, the process easy, whether that's a product transfer with your existing lender or a remortgage to another lender. They A, a broker can keep you right with, with all of that sort of things. Brilliant. Now, here we go, Phil, as we, we enter into the part of the show where you share your own life story. You've not long moved house. I wonder if this might have been something applicable to you where you might have reviewed or carried a mortgage over to another property rather than start another. So what have you got on, on this, on reviewing mortgages? Yeah, I mean, I when I moved recently, I, I was able to look at all the options available to me from the, the whole market because I wasn't tied in on my, my last mortgage deal. I, I just let it go on to the, the lender's standard variable rate and I was paying more for that. I thought, right, I'm going to be moving soon. I'll, I'll take the hit and just pay a bit more for a wee while. And then the great thing for me then was that when I moved home, I could have the choice of, of any lender. Now, lenders will generally let you port your mortgage. So they will let you move it from one place to another, as long as the, the property is suitable for them. So the example I always give on that is if somebody had, let, let's say they, they were moving from a house and then moving to a wooden property, some lenders won't lend on, on that type of property. So you've got to make sure that the lender, if you are remortgaging or at some point moving home, make sure that the lender that still fits their criteria and affordability for, for doing that as well. But I have a good remortgage story from, from quite a few years back. Well, it wasn't good for the, the person that did it, but <laughs> when, when I worked at the Skipton Building Society many years ago, it's quite a, an old one now, there was a mortgage came in there that was from a, a mortgage broker. And fortunately, that firm is no longer trading anymore. But Skipton had quite a quite a unique product. It was linked to what was called the US dollar LIBOR rate. It had a really low interest rate initially. But it was a product that was really meant for high net worth individuals and sophisticated, like people that were used to dealing with, with that type of thing. And they, I remember once took a phone call from somebody and initially they only had a mortgage of about 30,000. Well, this broker recommended this product and it had about a two grand product fee. Uh, they, I think they charged about a two grand broker fee. 
They also added on what was called a single premium ASU policy. So rather than paying for like accident, sickness and unemployment insurance each month, they added five years worth of premiums all in on one go. So it was about a grand added for that. So this, this poor folk, their mortgage balance had gone up to 30,000 to 35,000. And I remember saying to them, I was like, look, why, why did you do that? Why did you take their, their advice? And they're like, oh, but I'm saving 20 quid a month. I'm delighted. I'm, I'm cutting my outgoings. And, and they just couldn't get it. And, yeah. and you know, most mortgage brokers are, are very reputable. The mortgage brokers have got, they're regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority. And unfortunately, these days, the bulk of them are like decent people and, and will give decent advice. But occasionally you come across the odd one where you think, Jeepers, why the heck did they do that? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'll never forget that one. It just was nuts. But honestly, by the time they remortgaged, their debt had gone up for thirty thousand. Wow. I think it was just slightly over thirty-five grand. Yeah, it sounds they, like they were, they were delighted because they were saving twenty quid a month. <laughs> so, in, the, so, in the long so, term, how much more thousands yeah. of pounds would they have paid? Yeah. So it sounds like a cowboy, and in the cowboy movie, he'd have been wearing all black, right, Phil? <laughs> yeah. And we always do this bit as well. Yeah, I mean, you find inspiration through various people that you admire. You love a quote. Have you got one that fits our subject matter for this episode on reviewing your mortgage? Yeah, the, the quote of the week this week is from Martin Lewis. He's quite well known. He's been on telly a lot, the money saving expert. He does a lot of these. I've seen him on telly a few times lately. And the, the quote of the week is, as there's a mass of choice and deals can disappear fast, using a broker is a good idea for many people. There you go. It's just Absolutely. backing up what I've been, been kind of saying as well. But yeah, so some folk, like anything, you can look to, to do it yourself. And if, if someone is looking to do it themselves, hopefully this podcast will just help them look there. But I'd really say the, the main takeaways for today's show is really that you, you've got a few options. You can stick on the, the reversionary rate and do nothing. You can remortgage and look at the options with, with other lenders. Or you can look at trying to get a new deal from your existing lender and try and get a, a sort of product switch. Okay. All right. Now, Phil is uh, really keen on trying to help you with your financial queries. If you want to email a question to us, please do. And as always, we can ask him anonymously if you wish. Let's get on to this week's contact details are coming up. I'll give it to you after these. Here's our first question. Hi, Phil. Just recently, I had a letter out of the blue from what seemed like a real body asking if they could speak to me regarding the sale of the company I own. They weren't offering to buy, but rather help me sell and would like to speak to me about it. I hadn't actually considered it just yet, but I'm slightly curious. My question is, could this be a scam? Is there any way to check and know? You, you do get businesses that will try and help you if you're looking to sell your business. I, I get that constantly here. I'm always getting emails through saying, oh, at the minute, it's a great time to sell your business. And uh, they, offering, oh, you can get this multiple of profits or this time's your recurring revenues. I, I get that a lot myself, so I can understand. And what I would say about anything is always be on your guard against scams and scammers. They, they often pose as, as legitimate and, and real businesses. I had a message from somebody actually just recently saying that they'd been contacted on WhatsApp by somebody that was claiming to be myself. <laughs> so it just, honestly, it, it kind of, I've seen it as well. I Folk will try to make, they'll try to send an email but they'll often try to make it look like it's came from someone. And I mean, I, I remember at one point, not all that long ago, somebody would actually cloned 
the financial services regulators website as well. That one got taken down really quickly. But sadly, there's so many scams and and scammers out there. But what I would say is try and do a wee bit of due diligence and you can go online. I I would suggest maybe looking up Company's House to see if Mm -hmm. you can find any information on on anything there. But it's just trying to do a wee bit of due diligence, maybe looking online, looking at reviews of companies. Um, I've seen it before. I, I get all these phone calls and it's like, oh, I'm such and such from this company. And then I look it up. And then you, you see sometimes you actually, when you Google a certain thing, it comes up, is this a scam? And uh-huh, uh, right. quite often it, it can be. So it is, it's just in anything in life at the minute, you folk are trying to take advantage of the situation. And sadly, scams and scammers are, are always sort of there and becoming more sophisticated with, with what they're doing as well. I'm just thinking, Phil, we did do a scam uh, episode, didn't we? We did, yeah. I, I can't remember what the number of it was, but it, I, I would guess in the 30s, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly don't know. I need to look it up, but we did yeah. do one on scams and scammers. So if anybody's worried about that, that's maybe a good one to go back and yeah. listen to as well. Next one is from Caroline and Elgin. Caroline says, hi, Phil. I'm really worried about the much-reported energy charges uh, over winter. Now, I'm in a position where I've got a little bit of money set aside for emergencies, but I don't really want to dip into that. And I was wondering if you had a recommendation for how much extra, maybe as a percentage, I should try to set aside <laughs> monthly to cover the rise. So uh, this is it's kind of like how long is a piece of string? This one, Phil. I'm afraid. I know. Um, I and, and I, I would, you know, I'm sure you you want to help, but I don't know if you can in that instance. Can you? Yeah, I mean, I guess a lot of it's down to somebody's energy usage. And remember, at this time of year, that's likely that people will be spending more or using more. I mean, as temperatures plummet, the heating will tend to be on a, a lot more regularly. And I suppose it also depends where you live, because, I mean, in the northeast of Scotland, the, the heating's going to be on a lot more than it is if you're like, down on the yeah. south coast of England. So yep. I had a look. I mean, according to the energy regulator Ofgem, gas wholesale, or wholesale gas prices have risen almost 250% since January. So this year, it, it's just been phenomenal rises in the, the price of wholesale gas. Electricity prices have also risen sharply as well. And I mean, even energy prices, especially just in the last few months, have gone up a, an awful lot. One bit of support people can get is low-income households, especially pensioners, they can get a £140 rebate off their energy bill under the, the warm home discount. Off Gem, the, the energy regulator as well, they, they've actually got quite a good page, which I'll post on, on my social media channels. And it goes on about different government schemes and benefits that's available, different grants and, and stuff like that. So I'll, I'll post that on the, the social media channels as well. But try to say what percentage it's likely to be up a minute. That's quite a difficult one to, to answer, but... Sadly, at the minute, a lot of people are seeing their, their gas and electricity and, and energy prices rise quite a bit. And the, the first figure that you trotted out there was was that wholesale gas has gone up by 250% since January. Yeah. So, yeah, if you if you look at it that way, that's like two and a half times as much as it, as it cost before. I know. And they're going to want to make a profit on that so that they stay in business. So God knows what that's going to be. You're actually finding at the minute it's unusual times just now, and in some comparison websites, like in the past, they used to always be, oh, say, come to us, we can save you money. Some of them at the minute are actually got warnings saying, look, we don't recommend you do anything at the minute because we might not be able to save you money. Yeah. So it's quite 
unprecedented times just now. Yeah, yeah. I would just say as well, before you, you get in touch up with the question, you might want to take a look at our back catalogue because we have covered a fair few topics so far and we might have touched on what you're interested in. Uh, like I say, scams definitely is one. And um, we did one not that long ago where we mentioned winter fuel as well. I'm John Ellis. Thank you for joining us today for the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. If you feel you need a helping hand with anything we've been discussing or anything else of a monetary matter, find Phil for finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or on the Facebook page of the show, search Personal Finance with Phil Anderson. That's Personal Finance with Phil Anderson on Facebook. Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn too. Or why not email Phil a question that he can answer on a future show. His address is phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk that's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk send him your question and like i say phil could be answering it in an upcoming podcast and please be assured we won't use your real name if that is what you prefer remember if you found this useful please rate and recommend us and please follow us on apple or whatever you get your podcast then you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it you'll get all the links you need on phil's social media good luck with your money phil's doing his best to help make that cash go further we'll see you next time and thanks for listening thanks very much john 